Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of the Quiet Mark podcast. I'm your host, Simon Gosling, and Quiet Mark is the independent international approval award program associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society Charitable Foundation. We encourage companies worldwide to prioritise noise reduction within the design of everyday machines and appliances and to find solutions to noise problems to benefit health and well-being. And on the subject of health and well-being, healthcare and the future sound of hospitals is the topic of today's podcast conversation. Research has demonstrated that a staggeringly high 72 to 99% of clinical alarms are false. The high number of false alarms has led to alarm fatigue. And alarm fatigue is sensory overload when clinicians are exposed to an excessive number of alarms, which can result in desensitization to alarms and missed alarms. Patient deaths have been attributed to alarm fatigue. Regular listeners to the show will know that I'm a huge fan of ambient music, as well as being a drummer and avid record collector. So it's with great pleasure that I introduce our guest on this episode of the Quiet Mark podcast, Yoko Sen. Yoko is an ambient electronic musician and the founder of Sen Sound with a vision to transform the sound environments in hospitals. As a classically trained musician, sensitive to sound, she was disturbed by the noises that she experienced in hospital as a patient. Since then, she's embarked on a mission to humanize the hospital experience by improving its sound. Yoko has presented nationally and internationally, including TED Med in 2018 and Aspen Ideas Festival Health 2019. And her work has been featured in The New York Times, BBC and Stat. Sound's initiative, My Last Sound, was selected as the top idea by Open Idio's End of Life Challenge, involving hundreds of people from around the world sharing the last sound they wish to hear. Sound has collaborated with companies such as Medtronic to improve the sound experience design of medical devices, and it's been named a 2020 finalist for International Design Excellence Award by International Designer Society of America. Sound has produced the film Sounds of Caring, New York, which has become an official selection at six film festivals international and won Bronze Award at Independent Short Awards September 2020. Born and raised in Japan, Yoko was classically trained in piano from the age of three. Yoko has produced the album 012906, which has been nominated for the Best Album in Electronica by the Sixth Independent Awards. She then produced the film Heaven's Library, for which she received the Washington Music Association Awards for Best Electronica Artist. As a self-proclaimed sound alchemist, Yoko aspires to create music which is, to quote Beethoven, the mediator between the spiritual and the sensual life. Welcome to the show, Yoko. Thank you, Simon. How are you today? I am good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Um, You'll probably hear some rain in the background. It's quite rainy here in London, but I know from your TED talk that raindrops were the first sound you remember. That's right. Yes, yes, it is. Yoko, for the listeners, would you mind letting us know where you are as we speak, please? Yes, I am in Northern Virginia. It's uh, like a 20 minutes away from Washington, D.C. in the United States. I became aware of you through our, one of our podcast guests, uh, Steve Keller from Pandora, who mentioned uh-huh. you when he was talking about improving sound in the hospital environment. Why do you improve sound in the hospital environment? I like to start by saying that there are many people you know, before me who have been working in this field of uh, acoustic environment in healthcare setting. And I am fairly recent person in, in this field, I must say. But I suppose I came from a perspective of a patient who happens to have a very sensitive hearing. So, you know, my background, I am an ambient musician. I was born and raised in Japan with a training in piano. But a series of health complications uh, led me to spend time in hospitals and I was very disturbed by the noise in the hospital. It was loud, it was dissonant, <laughs> it was very harsh, and uh, things kept beeping. Um, I was already scared as, as a patient, but as somebody who is sensitive to sound, the sound really made me frightened the the whole experience and my recovery was rather 
unexpected. So when you have a, you know, illness and, and you get better, it's like, wow, I got a lucky bonus of my life and、mm. now I have nothing to lose. So I wanted to, I needed to find a new purpose in this chapter of my life. So, in addition to continuing to, to be a sound artist, now my passion. Is to explore ways to improve the sound environment in hospitals. And it was the musician in you that enabled you to identify the two notes that two machines were making simultaneously. Right. So, you know, I, I remember one of the devices was. Constantly beeping, and to me, it sounded like the note of C. In retrospect, it could have been a little bit lower pitch than C, but it's somewhere close to the C.、Mm-hmm. And in distance, I had a very high pitched F sharp. And, you know, I was kind of、uh, sick, and I was like, oh, C. and F sharp, this is diminished fifths, it's triton. And, you know, as、uh, many of your listeners might know, in Western classical music、uh, theory, uh, triton, uh, uh, in medieval time, people thought this particular combination of notes to be disturbing, that it was banned by churches to play. In medieval time, and that's the <laughs> sounds that we can be hearing in hospitals today.、Um, you know, the medical technology is so advanced today compared to you know, that time. Medicine is getting better, but when it comes to the quality of the sound around us, it's almost going backwards, right?、Yes. Uh, even Florence Nightingale said 100 years ago that the unnecessary noise is the, the cruelest absence of care. But in 100 years, probably the sound environment is one aspect that actually got worse compared to that time. Yes, I've read some stats about that. That not only has daytime decibels level in hospitals increased, but also nighttime levels have increased. And they're well above the World Health Organization's recommendations for sound decibels.、Um, interesting what you're saying here, Yoko, because my guest on、uh, a previous episode, episode 11, is a lady called、uh, Dr. Marcia Jenneth Epstein. And I brought her onto the show because she'd written a book called Sound and Noise A Listener's Guide to Everyday Life. She spoke about hospitals and she spoke about hearing in general. And she said that when we're in a coma, we can still hear, which is why it's extremely important what doctors say when someone's in a coma and the sounds that are going. You have spoken about this in your TED speech. You do this lovely effect where you do a comparison where you say, If it is going to be the last sound that we hear, and that is the last sense that goes, do we want to hear A, the beeps, which are so loud, or B, something more musical? How would you describe the difference that you're looking to bring to the industry of hospitals? If it's not beeps and bleeps, which we're kind of well used to, does it become something more musical if you're an ambient musician? That's an interesting question. So let me start with the last sound、uh, concept first, as you kind of introduced that.、Mm-hmm. In fact, when we ask people from many different countries,、uh, cultures, to share the last sound they wish to hear, not Too many people mention something musical. So there are probably three categories of things that people say. One is a sound of nature, a sound of ocean, sound of water, river. That's probably number one thing. Second one is a voice of loved ones. People Uh, who are dear to them, telling them it's going to be okay, or thank you, or I love you. And the third category people have 
interesting uh, ideas and many people mention particular music uh, but some people say it's a sound of an orchestra tuning getting ready for a performance that's the last thing they like to hear oh. uh, so it's it's very interesting and uh, in terms of the healthcare setting a lot of people assume because I'm an ambient musician uh, who make, you know, relatively soothing music, people are like, oh, so you're trying to bring your music into hospital. That's not exactly what we are doing, at least at this stage. Uh, our goal right now is to minimize the negative impact of the existing sounds. But in healthcare, everything is slow you know, for the safety reasons, uh, we often say slow change stays, but quick change doesn't stay. So even just to try to change the sounds of a medical device, oftentimes those sounds have stayed exactly the same for decades. So clinicians are so used to certain you know semantics of sounds to get certain information so to change those sounds it it has to be a very slow incremental participatory process so you know ultimately you know in decades of time it would be nice to imagine more you know musical lovely environment but the start is to make the harsh often high-pitched, irritating sounds of a medical devices to be a little bit more kind to human ears without losing the safety and functionality of those sounds. In one of your talks that I watch, you talk about the beepers and the beeped. Yes. <laughs> and I think the beepers are the companies that make the sounds and the beeped are the people who are getting beeped at, the, the patients yes. in hospitals. This is such a good phrase, but you actually use that as a sort of forum to make progress. To You get people in the same room and get them to talk about how to make these things better. I'd love to love for you to tell us more about the beepers and the beeped, please, Yoko. That's right. So, yes, beepers are people who make things that beep mm -hmm. or who make beeps and <laughs> that beeped are people who get beeped by things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that uh, number one, oftentimes it's very scary to talk about changing the sounds of medical devices because, you know, people's safety is at stake. And of course, it's, it's a very um, serious topic. Mm. And to encourage people, especially people who have to hear those sounds day to day, to share their lived experience with sounds, we had to design a, a sort of an environment that feels friendly mm -hmm. and safe and inviting so that they are willing to share their experience. So that's kind of an idea behind. And... You know, there are lots of things that, um, like, for instance, safety, uh, functionality of those sounds uh, can be done with, uh, uh, you know, more scientific research setting. But things like, is this the type of sound you can hear over and over and over without getting tired? Mm. Or is this the sound that you can hear when you are very sick and nauseous in pain. You know, those are the type of um, sort of information we really need to involve people who have to hear those sounds and their subjective lived experience using human-centered design. Yeah. So we are hoping to complement the existing you know scientific research by adding the perspective of those uh human uh lived experience in 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 the field yeah and you talked about the people who have to hear these alarms and one thing is the patient recovering but the key thing are the clinicians and the, the doctors the nurses and there's such a thing as alarm fatigue isn't there yeah yeah, it's, you know, 
the the story of boy who cried the wolf. Uh, so uh, e each of those medical device is created with alarms, with the intention of you know getting your attention. But when three or four or five of those devices scream for your attention constantly uh, without, you know, coordination with each other, ultimately clinicians get tired. Many of them, when we talk to them, say, oh, I just, I just phase out. I, I don't really hear them anymore. Mm. The data shows that, you know, as much as 95% of all the audible alarms can be uh, clinically insignificant or false alarms, um, but they they still have to pay attention to the few percent that, wow. you know, if they miss those, there will be patient harm and accident. So it's a very stressful environment for, oh, for many yes. of the clinicians. We're talking about Sounds of Caring. And of course, mm -hmm. Sounds of Caring is the title of a film that you've recently made. I'd love you to tell us more about the very timely film that is Sounds of Caring, please. Yes, this is a series of uh, short films that incorporate the voices of frontline healthcare workers sharing how they are feeling during the pandemic. Uh, initially, this vision was inspired by my dear friend. She's a nurse who actually works for a medical device company. And she, you know, really wanted to find a way to do something and we brainstormed. So it was really, she's the muse of, of the whole series. And so far, I made two, two films out. And there are two questions we ask those healthcare workers, very simple questions. Uh, first is, how are you feeling right now? And two is, what would you like other people to know about what you are going through right now? And we just ask them to record the voice using their cell phone. They range from nurses, doctors, um, people who clean the hospital rooms, uh, there are chaplains, uh, first responders, uh, respiratory therapists, and it's it's a very emotional, mm. emotional project. Do you think you learned any valuable lessons from Sounds of Caring and those interviews that you recorded that now go on to influence the work that you're doing with the sound of machines in hospitals? Absolutely. It's really humbling that, and I believe this is the same for my friends who actually work for those medical device companies. We, we work with lots of engineers and designers in those device companies. For them to be able to hear who they might usually call users or customers as human beings and to know that the work that they do will have a tremendous impact on their day-to-day -day experience, especially as they are going through this very difficult time during the pandemic. A couple of days ago, we were interviewing a nurse, oncology nurse uh, with decades of experience. And she said, I love being an oncology nurse because a, a little bit of a difference we make in patients' lives can go a long way. And I think the same about redesigning the sounds of our medical devices. We have to start with a very small incremental change. But I really hope that this small change we make with people will even just a little bit alleviate the 
stress and fatigue and difficulty of their day-to-day experience. And if that piece can help, you know, many people to feel that in in our society, we call those healthcare workers heroes, right? Like they are heroes. And heroes are humans too. Mm. Like they are just as scared and they go to their work anyway. So to, to know that, that the work that we do can have impact on their lives, that there are many insights, of course, but that I think fundamentally really helps me and, and my team. I was actually curious to what you said earlier about one of the three things that people said they wanted to hear as their last sound was an orchestra not playing music, but warming up. And there, yes. I, I know when I've been to a theatre and you hear, you know, you're waiting, the lights are on, then the lights go out, the warm up starts happening. You think it's going to happen, and it tells you something. It's the it's what precedes something amazing. And I thought, I wonder if people. Right want to hear a warming up because they know that they're about to go on to another show. Yeah, in fact, there were a couple of people with similar response. One friend also said, I like to hear some engine of a large machine warming up ready to go, which also is a similar answer. (laughs) Um, Yeah, very interesting. I think that sound is something that, you know, oftentimes our cultures are very visually oriented. So when I ask people questions about sound, it seems to open up people's mind in slightly unusual way. And I think that those answers, uh, kind of a window into that person's worldview and philosophy and even sort of a spiritual view about life and, and death. And uh, it's yeah, it's really interesting. It's interesting as well. There's a, there's a clip on YouTube where the world champion snooker player, his name is Ronnie O'Sullivan, and it's a fun clip. It's on Eurosport. And he's getting a tennis lesson from the the guy who at the time was the British number one. His name's Greg Rudetsky. And he's amazed. The tennis player is amazed at how good this snooker player is at angles. Because snooker, as we know on a table, is all about the angle of the position of the ball. Right. But there's a moment where he's hitting a backhand and he's doing one after the other again, again. And then when he hits a really good one, the tennis player says to the snooker player, did you hear that? And he says, yeah, I heard it. He says, you must know in snooker, when you hit, when it sounds right, it's going to be right. And the snooker world champion said, you know, I know the moment I hear the ball that it's going to be a good, a, a successful shot. If it sounds right, it plays right. If it sounds wrong, It doesn't play right. And he said he plays, this world champion, seven times world champion, plays with sound as much as he does the visual because it's an important part of his ability to play the game well. And I think it's a really great demonstration as to why sound is so much an important part of our our being. Right. This is very relevant as we were just interviewing... Uh, several clinicians this past few days and you know for some clinicians this particular sound of a device becomes almost uh, like a subconscious work partner to them you know there uh, is a certain sound continuous sound that informs uh, a patient's vital condition like oxygen saturation or heart rate but some of those, especially anesthesiologists, are so deeply in tune with those sounds that, uh, or like surgeon who use particular tool and and with a particular sound comes certain you know type of a tool. It's just remarkable how they are very much 
Yeah, just like the tennis player story.、Mm. And I think that born and raised in Japan, something about Japanese culture that tends to regard technology as an extension of nature in some way,、mm. so that the, with the use of technology, we could actually make those very, you know, cold, Machine sounds to emulate a, a, a little bit more of an amplitude envelope, you know, sounds in nature, so that、uh, even though it's a sound coming from machine,、uh, technology can enable those sounds to feel a little bit more like、uh, closer to nature. So I think that uh, uh, that the relationship between technology and nature is very fascinating to me as well. One of the other things I'm curious to know, Yoko, is that you, you meet、um, so many leading figures in the medical profession and you're meeting them to discuss sound in hospitals. Now, there's,、mm-hmm. you know, there's the, we talked about the beepers and the beeped. Uh huh. But I'm not quite sure. I can't think of a word beginning with B, but it's the room. That people are in. It's the hospital itself. And、uh-huh. one of the things I've learned a great deal about learned, doing this very show is that the room is an instrument in itself. Yes. Just to tell a little story about that. So, for example, one of our guests was a guy called Wade Bray, who's vice president of head acoustics. And he talks about he's an organist. And he says that there's this complicated piece of music. That、even though he's an amazing organ player, he struggled to play it. But one day, he played that organ in a space that sounded perfect. And when the sound was like an, the room was an instrument in harmony with the instrument, which is the organ, he could play this piece of music he'd never been able to play before. Wow. And when he tried to play it again in another room, He, he couldn't really do it. It was the room in the space. And so, my thinking is yes, it's good to change the sounds of the machines,、uh-huh. but, but do you ever get involved in the conversations of improving the acoustics of the rooms? Because even if there was good wall insulation, flooring, better ceilings in hospitals,、uh-huh. then the reflections and the reverberations would reduce, and that, that would help a great deal. Have you had those、Absolutely. sort of conversations? Absolutely, yes. And I relate to that organ player when I record my、uh, vocals in a, a music piece, I have to calibrate the reverberation and delay to. You know, be able to sing in certain ways, and that really affects my perception. So, so I, I can absolutely relate. A、uh, sound designer in our team,、uh, Matt Barelli,、uh, he, his wife recently、uh, gave a birth to a beautiful、uh, son. And Lovely.、Uh, he was, you know, very keen on listening to all the sounds as he's been involved in the project.、Mm-hmm. And he mentioned exactly what, what you mentioned that、uh, something along the line, he was even more disturbed by the way that those machine sounds were bouncing. Around the room, it was really more of the、uh, reflection of the room that made that sound more uncomfortable rather than the sound itself,、uh, which I thought to be remarkable.、Uh, I am not a acoustician in the sense that, you know, those、uh, building acousticians are trained, but I have a couple of wonderful friends who taught me that.、Uh, Like a ceiling tile, for example, just, just to replace those ceiling tile can have a remarkable impact on the you know, reverberation and perception of the room. Sound environment is such a complex phenomena. And of course, medical device is one of the small pieces of, of the entire picture. There's acoustics. There is also human behavior. Lots of noise c o m e from people talking, getting doors slammed.、Uh, there are lots of things that, that need to go in, but absolutely the, the acoustics and building acoustics in particular, I think that's an extremely important field. 
Yes, it is. And in fact, something that Quiet Mark has done with the launch of the Acoustics Academy is it's an online hub which enables acousticians and architects to visit the, the Acoustics Academy and they can go to a hospital section and they can look for materials like flooring, like ceiling panels that you mentioned, and all sorts of different materials which can improve the acoustics. And that's something that we're constantly looking to raise awareness of within Quiet Mark. And just as Quiet Mark is verifying and and certifying building products and appliances in the home there seems to be some sort of future in quiet mark certifying alarms you know in hospitals yeah. i'd like it seems it seems like a natural fit and uh it's you know and i think the the, the the reason i say that is that one of the things we've seen is that the quiet mark certification has encouraged um manufacturers to prioritise noise reduction in mm-hmm. their machines because they want to achieve quiet mark status, but they can only do uh-huh. so if they if they constantly improve the quietness of their appliances. So it becomes a, pr- a priority in the manufacturer, uh-huh. and so an alignment between quiet mark and and hospital seems like a good place to go because it will enable patients to recognise that it's a quieter device. Now it's not to say that the alarm isn't loud enough to raise awareness is to say that right. the sound of the alarm has a quality to it which hopefully right. helps to assist uh recovery so right right and the attention of our clinicians as well that you know speaking of acoustician i think william kavanagh defined the word quiet as absence of distracting irritating or annoying sound or something like that Mm. so there's a distinction between silence and quiet and silence is a complete absence of sound but quiet has a lot of a nuance like you said it doesn't mean it's just lower volume it's just a freedom from the irritation or disturbance and in that you know definition i think because some clinicians might get a little nervous when they hear the word quiet mark or does that mean i can't hear the important notification from this device Mm. but the definition of quiet can be you can hear very well it's just not unnecessary irritating anymore so i think that's a very interesting philosophical shift in in thinking about those sounds you're right because sometimes when we're testing appliances you might have two devices make the same sound in decibels right but and they, that might be quite quiet it might be about 30 decibels but one at 30 might sound pleasing and the other one might sound irritating but they are both right. 30 and so it's right. not just a loudness thing uh and so there's so many parameters to address there's functionality alerting clinicians that something urgent is happening Right. But there's also the recovery of the patients and the well-being of everyone, everyone involved. It's a, a huge subject. You've set up a company, Send Sound, to do this. And I would ask, how does that model work? What were you doing before? And is this your full-time occupation now? Yes, it is a company uh, on paper, although it feels really a hybrid non-profit in many ways because a lot of the work we do more have to do with education and awareness building. As a company, we collaborate with hospitals and and medical device companies. Lately, it's actually primary medical device companies. So we act as a sort of a design team Mm -hmm. uh, working closely with their engineers. Uh, Oftentimes, those medical device engineers have uh, a good idea about how to make those sounds functional. but And they have certain visions, but they don't know how to sonify those visions necessary in a nuanced way. So Mm. we work very closely with those teams to help improve those uh, sounds. So in that way, we kind of uh, work as a a sound design studio uh, almost, but we uh, only 
to uh, healthcare and, and medical field. You're almost like a creative director of this company. It's in some way, yeah. Your it's your so. ears and your musical knowledge and experience and ability. Well, I suppose a chef knows when food tastes good, or at least we hope a chef does. A musician knows when something sounds good. Right, but I also think good can be subjective in, in some way. Mm-hmm. So one thing we are always careful is that when we help re- design sounds, it's not what we as a team of sound people believe to be a good sound, but rather we are translating the vision of what their team and users, people who use that device, believe to be good into the sound. So occasionally we feel that, you know, the team picks a sound that we might be like, okay, maybe... You know, that that might not be our pick, but our role really is a conduit. So we provide options and tools for people, but our role is uh, more like a a sound sound guy on stage. You know, I think that's a good analogy. When you go to a concert (laughs) and you hear a musician really well, unless you're a sound person, you don't say, wow, sound engineer is doing really great job today. Yeah. You said that musician is excellent. <laughs> but we are a little bit more of a backstage to make sure that the team's vision and the user's needs are well translated into sound. Tell me a bit about your musical background, if I may. I know from the TED Talk, sure. there's a very cute five-year-old Yoko whose feet, <laughs> whose, whose feet can't reach the pedals. It goes... <laughs> When did you start playing? Yeah, uh, I think actually I started when I was three. And uh, I don't really recall. My my mother insists it was me who begged her that that I had to take piano lessons. You know, in Asian cultures, the stereotypical dragon mother forces kids to learn piano and violin. (laughs) In in my my case, it wasn't that way. Apparently, uh, it was me. I grew up playing the piano. I also played uh, clarinet in uh, junior middle school. And then I was in a jazz band. Then I played the drum, I was singing, I was in choir, played different, all, all sorts of different instruments growing up. And it's after I came to the United States that I started to make with uh, technology, like electronic music. Listeners to the show will, will know a, a huge fan of ambient music, um, uh, especially people like Akira Kozimura and uh, Brian Eno. And these sort of uh-huh. soundscapes. Um, how would you describe ambient music to the audience? Ah, hmm. It's it's almost like a like a fragrance or aroma in the air. So non-ambient music. Like music with lyrics, for example, that the visual image is that musician is on stage and we are kind of focusing the attention to, to the music. But ambient music, and there is a very danger to, you know, there's this whole thing called elevator music or wallpaper music. Yeah, music. And, and, you know, the, the Venn diagram, there are certain ambient music that can be classified, but there, I think, is a, 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 a ambient music that's very distinct from those, you know, music, so, so-called. It's, 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 it's like a furniture or it's like a, like a I don't know, ar- aroma, fragrance in the space that, that just changes defines the the mood of the space without screaming to get your attention of your sort of a frontal part of your brain yeah. it's it's just kind of a there i love ambient music and i mm-hmm. um when i looked at matisse's water lilies which are very mm. sort of out of focus and it's 
if you were stood really close to that painting, right. you wouldn't necessarily see a water lily. You'd see blurrings and defocusings of paints. It's only when you stand far back from it that you can see, right. oh, it's a water lily pond, but it's not, like I said, it's not immediately apparent close up. And he hasn't painted the water lilies with any perfect edges or anything, like, right. like perfect notes. It's just, but it's an, impre- it's an impressionist. It's an impression of water lilies. But because it's an impression, and to begin with, one would, might look at that and go, oh, it doesn't look real. Right. But then when you look at it longer and longer, you recognise that it's the most realistic painting of water lilies you've ever seen right, right. because it doesn't just speak to your visual senses it speaks to your emotions the beauty of witnessing a water lily pond and I think with ambient music sometimes when I first heard Brian Eno's atmospheres and soundtracks it sounded like a choir of angels and yet mm. there were no human singers. It was all samples and it was all keyboards. But it had right. this ethereal, um, elevated beauty to it. But like I say, if someone right. said to me afterwards, um, oh, can you hum it to me? Can you sing it back to me? You can't. It, it, right. You right. know, but it, it has the blurred edges. You have to step back mm. from it and, and hear it. And I think to understand that it's ambient music that is finding its way into hospital alarm systems. If any music is going to change hospital alarms and make it more human, it's not going to be whistles and notes. It's going to be ambiences. Because do you see my comparison between the water lilies and the... I don't know if I'm making any sense, but... Yes, you you do. You're making sense. And, And in fact... That very similar conversation happened. We were interviewing a patient recently that the ambient music also, you kind of reminded me, it creates a a space in in people's mind also. So in, in hospitals, people's psychological landscape is very diverse. So, you know, we have to consider... Uh, people who are in pain and suffering, but also in despair, like somebody in the space might just have received some very difficult diagnosis, or somebody might just have a baby, you know, there's just such a wide landscape of people's uh, uh, mind. So it cannot be happy music it cannot be sad music Mm. it cannot be just upbeat music it cannot be just depressing slow yoga music it has to be all encompassing in some way without being imposing so i think that seems simple yet uh, uh, requires a lot of uh, thought into it so i think you are absolutely right I have another question and it goes like this. I'm going to surprise you with it. You might need to think about it. (laughs) On cue. That was brilliant. (laughs) Do you know what? The last episode, the the cat, Marcia Jennifer Epstein's cat was sneezing in the background. And and now I've got a dog with a squeaky toy. Look at him. He's great. (laughs) So my question Mm-hmm. Has the quietening of the world that's happened under lockdown changed the conversation that you have in what you do with sound in hospitals? Yeah. So, you know, hospitals used to be filled with more sound of a human visiting, like people visiting, and nurses would come and there are conversations and just sort of a more organic sound and we might have even considered those behavior-based sound as a you know something that should be quieted during the non-pandemic time but nowadays what we hear is that because visitors are not allowed and healthcare workers wear this protective equipment with layers of masks and shield 
the people sound disappeared from intensive care unit. So patients are often isolated, alone, left with the repeating sounds of ventilator and all the beepings. And occasionally, healthcare workers would come and they would speak, but, you know, from those protective equipment. And you don't hear as much of people visiting, family members having conversations. Not anymore. And I feel I can't even imagine really, you know, what that must feel like for for people. Mm. So because of the quietening uh, with the reduced human traffic, probably the machine sounds are now more prominent in the soundscape that those isolated patients experience. Uh, I also hear the increased difficulty in just conversations because now healthcare workers have to almost shout because many people rely on the visual movement of the mouse to understand the conversation. So without being able to see the lip moving, now they have to really shout and it's difficult for, you know, communication. I know that there are several colleagues of mine uh, musicians, you know, playing music over video calls and such for for patients in isolation and there are wonderful mm. efforts going on. Uh, but that's a very interesting question. Yeah. You know, you talked about ventilators and, and stuff. I'm, I'm a drummer. And um, right. if they've got a ventilator and it's constant in its rhythm, I think that can make you feel really lonely. And really afraid yeah. because rhythm and dynamics yes. plays an important part in our enjoyment of music and letting it tell different stories in the space of a song. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was just interviewing a neuroscientist whose specialty is the cognitive development of babies in reaction to auditory stimuli. And the fast sound we as humans hear a heartbeat of the mother and it's the rhythm mm. so she really talked about the importance of a rhythm and beat in in our yeah experience so that's that's absolutely true yoko i want to thank you for giving us the time that you've given us today um it's oh, been an thank absolute you pleasure. this was so much fun simon Great. And I'm sure we'll be speaking more as together yes. we, our companies, uh, seek to improve the sound of, yes. of life. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you, Yoko. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Yoko Sen, for taking the time out of your schedule to join us on the show and to tell us about the work you're doing. We think it's amazing, and no doubt our listeners will have thoroughly enjoyed your sharing it. During our conversation, you'll have heard us talking not only about the alarm sounds, but also the importance of the acoustics of the hospital rooms. Which brings me on to our Acoustics Academy, which can be found at acousticsacademy.com or quietmark.com and select the Building Sector Acoustics Academy section. And that will take you to a directory of Quietmark verified acoustic products for the built environment. On the Acoustics Academy landing page, visitors are invited to select one of nine different building types, ranging from residential to civic to governmental, arts and entertainment. And of course, one of those areas is healthcare. And in healthcare, you're presented with a choice of options, including hospital, treatment centre and laboratory. Once in that hospital area, you then select an acoustic application area. So for example, if you choose sound buildup and reverberation control, you'll see products including Armour Coats Acoustic Plaster System and Basbafon's Acoustic Plaster System, alongside Echofon Acousto wall panels and Echofon Focus Modular Ceilings. Alternatively, under Sound Reduction of Walls, Floors and Doors, you'll find Enfield Speciality Doors, Cardine Luxury Vinyl Tile Flooring and Rockwall Rain Screen Duo Slab or Sound Insulation Slab. If you're listening to this show and you happen to be a manufacturer of acoustic products which improve hospital environments and would like to know more about our Acoustics Academy, you can get in touch with us for more information at email us at quietmark.com.
course, at the time of recording this, on the 21st of January 2021, one is all too aware of the news headlines sharing statistics of the highest number of hospital admissions and deaths from COVID since the pandemic began last year. We'll all have seen deeply moving reports from the front line in hospitals where doctors and nurses are under so much pressure, trying to find beds for the latest cases and dealing with existing cases, often with fatal results. Of course, in these extreme circumstances, a hospital's priorities lie in finding beds for patients, far more than the need for acoustics within their wards. Nevertheless, we are seeing green shoots of recovery, so there is hope and there is a bit of light in the end of the tunnel that feels like the beginning to the end of this pandemic. So in the meantime, in preparation for the future of healthcare, a future which is more like the normal we once knew, without these hundreds of thousands of COVID cases, hospitals can return to the environments they once were, where a whole spectrum of emotions are felt. It might be the joy of a birth or the sorrow of the loss of a loved one. So it's wonderful and vital that Yoko is doing the work that she does and she collaborates with people like Dr. Elif Ojkan Vieira, who is a sound designer working at Two Delft in the Netherlands, who collaborates with Yoko and is a future guest on the podcast. We look forward to looking further into the progress that they make in the field of healthcare and hospitals and we'll keep listeners of the Quiet Mark podcast updated on their progress. For now though, thanks again for listening. Stay safe. Until the next time, bye for now.